Hey, everybody. Good evening. It is episode 59, December 13th. Two nights in a row during the weekend. I just can't seem to get away from you folks. So things have been going well. The site's been doing well. We've been getting a lot of likes, shares, and follows. That means a lot to me. And this is Matt from Don't Unfriend Me. I'll introduce myself in a little bit more detail later. But what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, we're going to talk about Eric Swallowwell. I'm sorry, Swalwell. There will be sexual references throughout this show tonight because I'm just that immature. And unfortunately, I just ask that you don't unfriend me because of it. We'll talk a little bit about uh, a new segment that we'll be doing every night called the Veteran Focus. I think it's important to use our time wisely, and that's something that I consider to be a great importance. And then lastly, Antifa and Proud Boys square off, and I'm going to give you my take and opinion on it, and I'm sure I'll make many friends because of it. Since we're going to be talking about tough guys tonight, I think it's important to talk about the toughest of tough guys. There was an inner city teacher. He was a, is a lifelong Marine. He was retired at 25 years. He was a drill instructor, force recon Marine, extremely tough as nails. And he, uh, when he out processed and went to the civilian world, he decided that he was going to do one thing or another. And it was maybe the police or maybe this or maybe that. Unfortunately, he had an upper body injury in his spine and he had to have uh, a fusion. And when he did, he had the top of his chest and his back wrapped in a plaster, a non-plaster cast, but more of a fabric cast that's just extremely strong like rawhide and has to be cut off after a few weeks. But it's to stop mobility so he can actually be rigid. And this didn't affect his physique at all as he was always a burly guy. So he was to report to his new job as a teacher. And he applied to be a teacher, and he, of course, did it in the most difficult and toughest city in the world in Los Angeles in the middle of the ghetto. And why? Because he's a Marine. That's why. And there really is no punchline to this story, but it just shows you the parody between people who are actually tough and who are not. And the Marine knew that he was going to be challenged. He knew that he was going to have students who were going to take advantage of him, possibly want to fight him or hurt him. And he had to send a very clear message quickly. But, of course, the knife hand isn't the always, always the first solution or the K-bar when you are in the civilian sector. So he went to his class before school even started on a weekend, and he looked around the room, and he saw the windows, and he realized it was stifling warm. So he opened up his windows, and when he did, even on a Sunday, his tie was there. And as he sat at his desk, the wind coming in and the fan would blow his tie around. But of course, air conditioning wasn't always the number one thing to cool down a old school. It was a powerful fan and creating some sort of convection in the room, and hence you got a lot of wind. Needless to say, at that point, he had an idea. And the next day, he showed up to school, and he purposely was a few minutes late to his class, and the kids were rowdy, And they were loud and they were throwing paper around and I'm sure they were writing on the desk and they were figuring out how they were going to assault him in one way or another by the end of the day, unless he sent a very clear message and that is what he did. The Marine walked into the room and the class went completely silent as a pin could be heard dropping on the floor. Not a pen, but a pin. He sat down at his desk, but before doing that, he opened up his window and turned on the fan and then the wind began to swirl inside the classroom as he sat at his desk for a few seconds he put down his paper and he put down his lunchbox and he folded his hands across the desk and he stared at the kids as his tie would sway back and forth he looked at it grabbed the bottom picked up a stapler and stapled three staples into his chest and he was never messed with again 
I've always liked that story and I heard it quite a while ago and uh, always thought it funny. Folks, I apologize. I've got to pop something up and then put it in place and immediately close it because I forgot to do it at the beginning of the show. Welcome to Don't Unfriend Me, who we are. Well, we're people who do not have a hired staff to do my graphics department, I'll tell you that much. So we kind of go off the fly. Uh, here's all my social media. You can find me here, uh, don'tunfriendme.com. You can find us over on Instagram, on uh, Apple iTunes, on Anchor, and just about everywhere on social media. Throw us a like, share, and and subscribe. It's extremely important. Also, everybody who watches our show, we call them dummies. And that's the Don't Unfriend Me. It's the Dumb Nation, and there are a ton of them. We go live most nights. We love to do our recorded shows. We love that you participate. And please, just throw us a like, follow, and share so we can continue to grow. Tonight, we're going to talk about a couple things, as we always do. And first, we will start with the Proud Boys and Antifa. Listen, we all knew it was coming. I've been saying it for months. This was bound to happen. And the funny thing is, is that I'm seeing a lot of people on the right saying, I'm proud of the Proud Boys. Well, first of all, there was something when I was in school that had to do with WP or NY. And the WP hats would be worn. And local colleges or high schools would have the initials WP. And a lot of the kids would wear the WP hat. And then it became the New York Yankees for the NY. Now, you might be thinking they're just maybe... Wake fans or their New York Yankees fans, but that's not what it stood for. The N stood for Nazi and the Y stood for youth. And the W and the P stood for white power. And this went through my school all the time. Kids were like this and they embraced things that they didn't understand. And I want to be completely clear. I don't care if the Proud Boys are the most American patriotic, red, white, and blue, star-spangled, awesome, apple pie-eating, Dixieland-listening, and Ford truck-driving people on the planet. When you put proud in your name instead of pride, it means the same thing. Just like the crazy white boys who grew up in California and Ventura, where I came from, who also wore the NY and WP hats. And just because you have a black member or a Hispanic member in your group doesn't mean you're not racist. And I'll tell you why. There's a gentleman named Lotto Contreras. If I ever saw Lotto Contreras, I would love to have a conversation with him. He was always kind to me. He was always nice to me. But the man was a bigot and a racist and a Nazi. He wore the Doc Martens, he had the shaved head, he had tattoos that had swastikas on his body, and he was Mexican as Mexican could be. And as he sat with me in adult education, because I dropped out of high school, he would watch the Holocaust videos, and when he did, as part of his assignment, he would laugh and giggle. He's probably dead, I can only hope so. But once again, just because you are a minority doesn't mean you can't be a complete idiot as well. And I understand that the founder of Proud Boys is a person of color. That doesn't change a damn thing. Antifa are scum of the earth. They deserve to be wiped out. They are fascists, even though they say they're anti-fascist. The Proud Boys are demonstrating that they are the opposite and the antithesis of what Antifa stands for. But they, too, are there to clash and create problems and create trouble. They're not peaceful Trump supporters. They're looking for a fight. They want a fight. And last night, they found one. And here's the video. Oh, 
I want you to be clear. When someone does this, it's not a good sign. I'm not going to go ahead and tell you what it means. And some people say it's the three percenters. And yes, that's what it used to mean. But it also means something else. It's the W and the P for white power. And other groups use it too. So if you're going to make signs that are tied to racial symbols, you should stop. The swastika was actually a Hindu symbol that was reversed that the Nazis used. And its meaning was the opposite of what the Nazis stood for. But once they adopted twisted it into what the perversion that they created. We can't do the reverse of that. We can't fall back. There's no reason for anyone to follow anything that resembles white power in the United States. And all we're doing is letting the media control the narrative. And let me tell you what the narrative was. Far-right Trump supporters. That is how they described what you just saw. Those white proud boys were also fighting police officers. They look familiar. They may not be wearing black masks and black hoods, and they may not be having two double flags that are red and black, and they may not pretend that they're anti-fascist, but they are just as bad as Antifa, and they deserve to be labeled as a terrorist group as well, and I don't want them representing me. This war that is coming, this civil war, this conflict that will happen like this, will not be between Antifa and Proud Boys or Boogaloo Juggaloo Boys. It'll be between ex-military and hardcore gangs and violent Black Panther militarized people. It will be very serious individuals on both sides. There'll be ex-military mixed in with the Black Panther element and the fraction element of the BLM. And there will be military people who stand up from rural communities who will also be on the other side. But it will not be the Proud Boys, and it will not be Antifa. Those people will be the first to run because they're cowards. It'll be the patriots versus the people who want to harm patriots. And that fight will not be done with sticks and pepper spray and fireworks. It'll be done with high-velocity rounds, and it will be serious, and people will die. That fight terrifies me, and it should terrify all of you. And when I get messages where people are saying, yeah, the Proud Boys are kicking Antifa's ass and the war has started, I expect better of you, and I expect more from you. This isn't the fight that we want. We don't want any of this. Civil war is terrible. It destroys nations, and it takes centuries to heal. We have lost too many brothers and sisters for needless and senseless war. We've lost too many Americans to things like this. And we are not represented by Antifa or Black Panthers or white supremacists or the Klan or skinheads or Proud Boys. They are demonstrating to me that everything that the media says they are, they are. I just wish that they would call Antifa and Black Panthers Biden supporters and the far left. That narrative will never change. And that is just as damning. Mr. Swalwell, interesting gentleman. He sat up on the podium and he said that Trump was peed on by a prostitute, a Russian prostitute, that he had monies inside Russia. He fornicated with Russian agents and several female spies at a given time. 
Well, obviously, we know he's Democrat because this is usually what the Democrats do is they project whatever they do onto you. And now we found out that this lovely little lady named Christine Fain or Fang Fang. And there's two rules. Never date a woman named Fang and never date a woman with a dagger tattoo. But obviously, Christine Fang got around a little bit. She slept with a couple of other mayors and she was a Chinese asset also known as a spy. She worked human intelligence and she singled him out, worked with his campaign. And because like most politicians, they only think with two things, their big head and their little head. The big head is focused on money and we all know what the little head is focused on. As Swalwell promised and said that Trump was colluding with Russia, that he was evil as evil could be and he was an asset. I don't hear him at this time revoking his Senate Intelligence Committee seat. I don't see him walking back the comments that he made about Donald Trump. I don't see him exposing about how he was mistaken and wish that he would have slowed down and possibly waited to make judgment. This man is not at fault. This is what human intelligence does. But unfortunately, back in the day, instead of letting massive computer systems do our intelligence gathering, we used to have something called human intelligence. We used to have something that was called counterintelligence, and the CIA and the FBI and the NSA would train our senators and legislatures, military men and service women, to avoid detection from other agencies, to disclose all things that they had done that could possibly use for blackmail against them, to ensure that they could cite these sources and see these tricks when they were happening. But once again, our congressmen, our senators, our state legislatures have become extremely lazy and they don't seem to care. This isn't the first time that a Chinese national or a spy has infiltrated the ranks of the Senate Intelligence Committee. They did it for 30 years with Dianne Feinstein as her chauffeur was an asset for the Chinese government. There are many others who are susceptible to this, and I think we are going to find that it's mainly on the Democratic side, considering that China has most Democrats in their pockets and the Republicans are owned by the political action committees. However, we don't know how deep this goes. We will have to boost our human intelligence and counterintelligence facilities once again. And our faculties are weak, and they have been since 9-11. So we can create all the fantastic programs we want that listen to your phones. But if we don't listen to our eyes and our minds and our ears and protect ourselves from foreign assets, we are only as strong as the iPhone. The last thing I will say is that I can imagine Eric Swalwell's response. I'm sure he's upset. I'm sure he's frustrated. And I'm sure if we ask him again and simply look him in the eye and say, will you ever fall for this again with another Chinese asset? And his response will be, hell, I don't know. Usually after I eat good Chinese, I want it again 30 minutes later. Tonight's Veteran Focus, sponsored by Veteran Crisis Hotline, even though it's not sponsored by Veteran Crisis Hotline, but I figured they wouldn't mind, considering that we talk about something great every single night when it comes to helping veterans. But I want to do something different. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this gentleman who is coming up right now, Jimmy Stewart. And this is a fantastic story, and I'm going to do it justice by reading it, and I really uh, was moved by this. And my wife recommended it and I thought it would be a good thing. So let's end it on a happy note. Jimmy Stewart said, I'd like people to remember me as someone who was good at his job and seemed to mean what he said. He was born to an owner of a hardware store. He dodged continuing the family business and he actually wanted to become a pilot. 
But instead, his father, instead of joining the Naval Academy, convinced him that he wanted him to go to Princeton. And at Princeton, he learned to become a stage actor. He fell in love with acting. It was something that he absolutely uh, found as a relief during the Great Depression. He would act during stage plays in the cinema houses, and he experienced a lot of uh, difficulty finding work, as most did during that time. Eventually, he made the switch to Hollywood, and he started in a few lower films. Uh, Destry Rides Again, The Shop Around the Corner, Pot of Gold. Most of you probably haven't heard of them unless you're Jimmy Stewart fans like myself. He realized that his passion for aviation still took hold. He logged almost 400 civilian hours as a pilot. And then when the U.S. entered World War II and right after Pearl Harbor, he found a calling that he felt he should leave his Hollywood lifestyle and join the Army. Um, He was drafted into the Army, but he was then rejected because he was underweight for his height. He was always a skinny individual. Well, at that point, what he did is he worked with his friends and colleagues. He put on a bunch of weight, put on the necessary weight, and successfully enlisted into the Air Corps. There was no Air Force at this time. It was the Army Air Corps and later turned into the Air Force. He was stationed at Moffett Field, and you'll know that there was some famous movies with Moffett Field, in California, and he was an enlisted man. During his nine months of training at the base, he also took extensive courses with the idea of obtaining a commission and becoming a Mustang, which is an enlisted man to an officer. Uh, His college degree and extensive flight time played to his favor, and he received his commission, which is his officer rating, after the attack on Pearl Harbor because he had logged over 400 hours as a civilian pilot. He was permitted to take basic flight training at Moffett Field and earned his pilot wings. During the next nine months, he instructed in AT-6, AT-9, and B-17 aircraft and flew bombardiers in the training school at Albuquerque, New Mexico. In the fall missions in March 31st, 1944 missions, he was appointed operations officer of the 453rd Bomb Group and subsequently chief of staff of the 2nd Combat Wing. Second Air Division of the 8th Air Force, Stewart ended the war with 20 combat missions. He remained in the United States Air Force Reserve and was promoted to Brigadier General on July 23, 1959. He retired on May 31, 1968. A lot of you remember him from fantastic movies, Harvey the Rabbit, Spirit of St. Louis. It's a wonderful life, of course. But there was one thing that happened to Mr. Stewart is that he suffered from PTS at that time. And they actually call it uh, flak happy back then, which was the flak, the, the anti-aircraft artillery would go all around the, 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 the planes and it would create stress and PTS anxiety. But he suffered for this so greatly that in Wonderful Life, the acting that he did was not acting at all. He tapped that inner struggles that he had within himself. And ultimately what you're seeing on screen, that manacle craziness that you see from George Bailey isn't acting at all and it's real. It was terrifying to the actors who actually who, who were shooting with him, and they would all surround him afterwards and thought that he was just a fantastic actor who was immersing himself in his role when truly he was reliving experiences that terrified him. Uh, he won two Academy Awards. He left with 12 civilian and military medals. He won two Golden Globes and numerous Lifetime Achievement Awards from different institutes. He passed in 1997. Jimmy Stewart was a national and is a national hero. He was an actor. He could have stayed behind. He could have not fought. He could have done everything but what was important, which was to serve his country, but he didn't. And I honor him tonight in our Veterans Focus. Speaking of veterans, Veterans Crisis Line, 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. If you know a veteran who's suffering from PTS because it is very real and the strongest amongst us have experienced it, some of us have been down in that hole. 
You can reach out to me. You can reach out to anyone on my show. And if you're afraid to do that, which I understand because it takes a lot of strength to make that call, you can go on donutfriendme.com, click on the VCL link, and it is a free Skype call that will actually link to a counselor immediately. If you aren't a veteran, you can call this crisis line. It's for everybody, civilian and military veterans alike. Folks, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun talking to you. I like the pace of the show tonight. If you wouldn't mind subscribing, it's real simple. Right down below that red button, there's going to be a red envelope. Click it and you can subscribe on YouTube. Also, throw me a like and a follow on Facebook. It's really important to do both. If you like, it means you can share my stuff to all your friends, family, and whatever. If you follow, you'll get updates of when we go live and when we come on and post a new show. Thank you so much. I'm going to leave you like we started. Thank you. My name is Matt. Once again, I appreciate you. And remember, I will see you tonight for a quick show. If there's anything you need, you want to chat, you want to argue, that's fine. Just don't unfriend me. Thanks for watching Don't Unfriend Me, everybody. I want to recommend Alex from Aleko's Design. He works on all of my video and graphic design, and he is amazing. Please give him a shot. Please head on over to his website at www.alekosdesigns.com. And one more quick thing before we go, folks. Still Point does the music intro for the show. They are listeners. They are fans, and we absolutely love them. Special thanks that amazing song and you can hear citizen soldier at reverbnation.com slash still point